Have you noticed that politicians struggle to enact the things they run on, that regardless of who wins elections, lawmakers find they cannot pass whatever legislation they like? They find themselves bound by what is popular or at least their sense of it. They can only act within a narrow set of ideas, and this range is called the Overton Window. And on the Overton Window podcast, we look at issues around the country and talk to the people who change what is politically possible. One of the most direct ways to influence public policy is to sit down with your elected officials and ask them to do something. We call the people who do this lobbyists, and they have a bad reputation. The word evokes a sinister villain out to abuse the public by hoisting self-interested legislation through the political process with campaign contributions, trickery, and maybe even a good old-fashioned off-the-books bribe. Now, perhaps that reputation is, uh, is earned. After all, there are a lot of laws that funnel money to special interests at the public's expense. Yet when it comes down to it, lobbying is the most basic application of our freedom of speech. We do want governments to do things, and we should be free to speak to our elected officials about what we want. We can have a stronger voice when we come together with people of similar interests, and this is an expression of our freedom to associate with each other. Now, Alexa Kramer is going to talk to us about how lobbying works. She is the Director of Government Affairs for the Grand Rapids Chamber of Commerce, a member-directed organization composed of business leaders in West Michigan, where she lobbies on their behalf. Alexa, how much does it cost to buy a state senator? <laughs> Thanks, James, for having me, and thank you so much for, for the question. Um, that is uh, an interesting one, I would say. So you're you're so right. Lobbying does have a very negative and evil connotation. Um, what we do at the Grand Rapids Chamber is, as you said, lobby on behalf of our membership. So we have just about 2,500 members, uh, a lot of West Michigan business communities of all sizes and types uh, that are our members that really drive our legislative priorities. Uh, we have a very robust process, and I'd be happy to talk about our process as well, but we have a very robust process that our members um, sit through to develop our legislative priorities, which then is our marching orders in Lansing, right? And even locally. So we have a, a very uh, engaged local advocacy arm, um, and then also do a lot of lobbying at the state level as well. Some lobbying uh, at the federal level, but if we could fix DC, I think that we would, uh, but I think that that ship has sailed. So we, sp we spend a lot of time at the state level and um, the local level. And so members uh, contribute to the Grand Rapids Chamber for the multiple services that we offer. Our government affairs team is just one of those. Uh, we have so many different uh, membership types and levels, uh, but we have the smallest businesses uh, being able to uh, just get our feedback and help on some local issues. Uh, well, also we have some very large West Michigan businesses that are members that also rely on us for our legislative efforts and our lobbying efforts. So I don't know if I could put a price tag on it, but that's a little bit of what we do at the chamber. Mm -hmm. Let's get into the process. Who determines your priorities and how, and how are they determined? So any or any um, member that we have at the Grand Rapids Chamber can sit on one of our issue areas that we cover. So for myself, I handle our education and workforce development uh, legislative priorities, as well as our tax and regulatory affairs. We also have transportation, environment, um, and then we have healthcare and human resources. So those are kind of our five issue area buckets. And those 
those issue areas have committees that members can sit on. Any member in good standing can sit on those committees. So uh, depending on the issue and depending on the topic, we have members that will show up to voice their, their support um, and their feedback on different legislation going through. So for example, our Education and Workforce Development Committee is our most popular. As we know, talent is a huge issue and has been for quite some time for the business community. So we have about 200, a little over 200 members that sit on that committee. And what we do is every uh, right before every session, we sit down with our members and bring out our current uh, legislative priorities. And we open it up for a discussion. And this discussion goes on for many a month. Um, but the discussion is, this is our legislative priorities right now in education and workforce development. And we break it up by um, education and then workforce development. So education being everything from early childhood um, all the way through your well in your career and you're needing to upskill to stay relevant. Um, and we say, okay, these are our priorities. What are we missing? What is no longer relevant? Um, what needs to be edited? And so we start that conversation uh, in person at the committees. We go through a very rigorous uh, editing process, and then we come back at the following committee, which is usually two months later, um, for all of the two months process of editing and present it to the, the committee yet again, saying, this is our two month worth uh, of of edits to our legislative priorities. This is what we've landed on. Does it get your support? We'll likely go through some more editing, some more fine tuning, something as simple as just a, a name change or a, a word change could be really mm -hmm. impactful. For example, uh, for workforce development, we always talked about how transportation is a major barrier for workforce development. We decided as a committee that we might want to change that word to mobility. Mobility means a lot more than just what you traditionally think of transportation. So something as simple as that can really guide our efforts. So after we get the final approval and go through all of those edits from the committee members, it goes then to our public policy council. Our public policy council uh, is, again, comprised of members, and each of our committees have chairs uh, that sit on that um, that's on that council. So not only do we have the chairs of all of our issue areas that I cover, but we also have people with public policy backgrounds that sit on that, that are members. They have to give it their stamp of approval. It then goes to our board of directors. Our board of directors then has to give it their stamp of approval. And then that is our uh, marching orders uh, for the next legislative session. So that is our very robust process that we are very proud of. Three committees. Three committees. What is a 200-person committee meeting like? Uh, it's interesting. It's not that we have 200 folks joining at every time. The way that I handle committees is, again, these are businesses that are trying to run their business. Mm -hmm. uh, they know education and workforce development is really important. Uh, and so that's why they sit on the committee. Can they join every single time? Absolutely not. And that's not to be expected. What I do do is I do have uh, a lot of follow-up and one-on-one conversations. So the 200-person the committee isn't going to be 200 people all at once, but it is 200 people that sit and review and, and edit those committees. The committees uh, pre-pandemic were all in person, and so we have a wonderful facility at the Grand Rapids Chamber to accommodate all of our members in our big uh, conference room. We then had to switch to virtual, which is a little bit easier to get people together, but now we're back to a hybrid model. So. Uh, just next week, I'll be meeting with my committee, uh, some in person and some virtual. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is the way of, again, trying to reflect your members' interests, your member-directed organization. Um, you know, you've gone through, you've, you've got your ideas of what you want to accomplish. How do you advance those priorities? 
So it depends. So there are some ways that um, that we know that are huge barriers for our members. For example, childcare uh, has been a really big top priority for the business community. And so with childcare, there's a few different ways that we've advanced um, our own legislative priorities, but then also have been able to really gather support from the larger business organizations around as well. So for example, on childcare, we put together a statewide coalition on child care um, back in the summer of 2019, pre-pandemic, which seems forever ago. Um, but back in the summer of 2019, we brought together uh, business voices, key state leaders, uh, legislators that knew that child care was important to their constituents, your traditional childhood advocates, and then research groups. And that way we were able to develop and secure funding for the nation-leading TriShare pilot program, which splits the cost of childcare between state, family, and business. So that was one way that we advanced priorities. We were able to have great bipartisan support. Uh, we were able to have legislators at the table. We were able to have key state leaders at the table, which definitely is very impactful as well, right? When we're trying to get support in order to uh, secure funding for, for uh, an issue. Another way is just simply saying that this is something that we support. These are This is legislation that we support. These are some bills um, up in committee. So for example, again, with child care, there is a quite a large legislative package coming through. I believe there's eight bills in total that the Grand Rapids Chamber has been involved in the development. Again, there was a uh, task force within the governor's office, but again, a lot of legislative leaders, uh, Representative Jack O'Malley being one of them, Representative Greg Van Workham being another, that know child care is an issue for their members have also worked really hard on this. So we've lended our support for those bills. We were able to be at a press conference and then um, a plan to testify in front of um, the committee when those bills are up um, in the House committee. So there are a few different avenues for it, depending on the issue. Sometimes it's, it's best to be able to just represent the Grand Rapids Chamber and our membership. And sometimes the the issue is something that the whole business community can rally behind. And it's really nice to be able to work with other business organizations and like-minded organizations to, to move legislation through. All right. Well, I want to talk about that legislative process. When you say that you're the leader of, of these bills, does that mean you write them, you try and find support, you rally the troops? What, what, did, what do you mean? I do not write them. I leave that to a lot smarter people than I. Um, but what we do is we we do provide feedback. So what's nice sometimes, and it happens with tax legislation as well, is that I'll get tapped by a legislator saying, hey, this is an idea I have. These are, uh, this is potentially what I'm thinking of. And these are, this is some draft legislation. What are you thinking? What are your thoughts? What are your members thinking? And in that way, I'm able to engage the committees. Again, a really easy way to engage our committees and to get feedback um, from our members. And so mm -hmm. based upon what they say, based upon the experts that sit at the table, which is really nice to have uh, from the Grand Rapids Chamber perspective. Again, if I'm not the expert, and let me tell you, James, I am not the expert in a lot of these areas, but guess what? I have a member that is. And so I'm able to tap them and say, what are your thoughts? What does it look like from the whole business community perspective? And I think that that's something that's really important to mention too. We obviously have all different types of businesses at the table with different interests. And uh, we ask them to put their quote unquote chamber hat on. So you think mm -hmm. of what's good for the entire business community, not necessarily just your business. Uh, mm -hmm. So we ask them for that feedback, thinking of the entire business community. And in our example, West Michigan business community in, in particular. And so I'm able to feed that, that feedback back to 
um, the legislator in order to maybe enact some, you know, changes or change around some language. But I myself do not write that um, language. But thankfully, in the in the role that I have, I do have um, some really smart folks that I get to work with on that. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of legislation is reactive, as in uh, our lawmakers are working on their priorities, and you're a member-directed organization, and it's got to be tough to know what your members think in response to some of these bills. I mean, they were, they're going to like it, dislike it, or they don't care. And you've got to figure that out, not necessarily, uh, or in response to legislation. How does that work? Um, again, those legislative priorities are written in a way that gives us our marching orders. So some things fall really easily within our legislative priorities where I can say there is this issue that comes up based upon this legislation. It is very clear that our members would support or oppose this legislation. Uh, for example, in our tax policy um, legislative priorities, we uh, we oppose any expansion of, of taxes on services. Uh, pretty straightforward. There's some bills out there that um, are doing uh, just that. And so we support those bills. And again, we were able to support them just because they fell very nicely within our legislative priorities. If something doesn't fall nicely within our legislative priorities or we don't have a history of engaging in some in, in that area, again, a lot of things get recycled in, in Lansing as well. So the issues are, are rarely the first of its kind. But if there is an issue that's first of its kind or if we've been specifically asked to weigh in on it, I would take it to the committee and say, listen, I don't have, um, you know, based upon our legislative priorities, I don't have a, a green light or a red light. And so I'm bringing it to you. I usually do a uh, pretty extensive legislative analysis on those bills with arguments and support in opposition. That way our members have um, the full picture when they're making their decision. Uh, it then goes for a vote at the committee. Every member uh, has one vote. We oftentimes have larger committees or larger members that have multiple folks on a committee. Uh, that's great and wonderful. We welcome all in good standing. But when it comes to a vote, they get one vote no matter how many people they have on the committee. Great. Um, so after that vote, it then goes to our public policy council and then our board. So same kind of process as our legislative priorities. Um, we do utilize those a lot for uh, kind of understanding where our members will be. But our members are there just in case something doesn't fit nicely within them. Because you are a member-directed organization, you've always got new members, you've got other members phasing out. It means that you guys might change your mind on important issues over time. How does that work with legislators who's, who might be offended that you uh, were promoting one thing one year and then um, uh, made a change the other? And that does happen, right? And we have to respect that because we are member-driven. And um, I could sit in the back and, and dictate our legislative priorities all day, but it doesn't matter what Alexa Kramer thinks. It, it matters what our members think. And so that does yeah. happen. And we've had it happen in the past. Um, I think that with especially association um, associations like the Grand Rapids Chamber, legislators are usually very receptive to understand that there is a process um, and we are really proud, again, of that process. And so if we we change our mind on something, it's been rigorously looked at. It's not just Alexa Kramer sitting in the back. Um, it is something that our members have had a lot of conversations on. We've likely talked about it in multiple committee meetings, for example. Our board is likely up to date. Public Policy Council is uh, for sure up to date on those legislative changes um, or, or idea changes. So most times, uh, I think that 
folks understand that we do have a really great process. And when you have a really great process, you're able to, to look to that, say, you might not like it, but this is what the members are saying. Mm -hmm. What specifically are the things that you're doing to advance uh, your institution's priorities? I handle uh, education and workforce development and then tax and regulatory affairs. So I mentioned a little bit about tax and uh, regulatory affairs. One of our um, one of our legislative priorities being uh, stopping the expansion of um, taxes on services. And so there's a couple bills up, uh, House Bill 5080 and 5081, that I actually just testified on with a member in Lansing before that they uh, went home for, for summer, um, their in-district work period, I should say. Oh, by the way, I want to go for uh, uh, just, just have another digression, because we've mentioned this uh, a lot, which is Legislation, not all legislation gets a hearing, but uh, but uh, but in order for uh, legislation to be voted on, it needs to go through these committees. And this is the one place where people from the outside actually have an official voice. And if you're interested in in uh, in uh, this le in these legislations, you as just a normal citizen can come up and, and tell lawmakers on this committee what you think about it. Uh, but also pe uh, people people. Uh, uh, people like uh, like us, like uh, uh, lobbying groups, uh, they'll have an opinion. This is where they get to have a say in it. And so one of the things that you do is when you are working on priorities, um, when uh, committees are hearing, you're providing testimony. Yep, absolutely. So we were able to do that with a member. Again, we are tapped, uh, knowing that this is very straightforward in our legislative priorities. We were tapped saying this is something I think that the Grand Rapids Chamber and your members will support. Again, really easy for us to back it since it's right directly in our priorities. So we were able to engage in the first uh, committee hearing and was able to bring a member along, happened to be my tax and regulatory affairs chair, Dave Eckelbarger, who is a very smart CPA, um, who was able to provide a little bit of um, background for the the committee, which they certainly um, appreciated. So that was policy. Sorry, go ahead. How did he do in, in, in committee? He did great. Oh my goodness. I mean, you've was... got a lot of experience. You know what to expect. People are nervous. Like this is public speaking in front of people. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I I told him that, you know, Dave, I think that this is a really straightforward concept. I don't know if you'll have a ton of questions. Well, guess what? He had a ton of questions, but he mm -hmm. handled it so so well. He's been doing this for quite some time. He was actually the former um, chair for the Michigan CPA Association. So he has quite a lot of experience and I don't believe that this is his first rodeo, uh, definitely his first rodeo with me though. So we were able mm -hmm. to do that on behalf of the Grand Rapids Chamber members. He did a great job. He was able to field a lot of um, questions from, from the legislators, which is important too, because they hear from me a lot. Um, if I'm able to bring a member, uh, they usually listen to them a little bit more, which is fair, which is fair, absolutely. Um, but so that was the first committee hearing, and then we'll be engaged in the process as it goes through. Um, once it hits the House floor, I'll be having conversations with our West Michigan legislators. Again, I focus just on West Michigan. Um, so have a lot of conversations with legislators as it comes up for a vote. Uh, and then the same process in the Senate too. And then on the education workforce development side, tons of things going on, but a lot of, lot of uh, attention on childcare. And so some of it isn't necessarily legislation, but some of it is just connections that we're able to provide. So for example, we're hearing a lot from our child care provider community that there is a sense to move the different um, 
the different setting of childcare from family to group home. Um, so that means that you can uh, care for a different amount of kids. You know, you can care for 12 kids as opposed to six kids. Um, and so them themselves, they're growing their business, but then they're also able to offer um, childcare slots for our employers that are looking for their employees to somewhere to, to house their kiddos when they're at work too. So mm -hmm. That was a conversation that we were able to connect with the Department of Licensing and Regulatory Affairs, their Child Care Bureau, and say, look, this is something that we know is a need. Can we connect? Can we bring some people together? That way you can talk through with these providers that are looking for this um, to kind of talk through what does this mean and what are the next steps too. So not always just legislation, but some impactful ways that we're, we're helping our members that are just strictly connections had in Lansing. Mm -hmm. Uh, when you say that after a committee, you're meeting with legislators uh, to talk about these bills, what are those conversations like? So I'll usually say um, something along the lines of, and again, just targeting our West Michigan folks. Our West Michigan folks, we've had, we have conversations with a ton. So they usually know where we're going to be on issues. So I think it will be of no surprise where we'll fall on these uh, particular tax bills. Um, but we'll go ahead and have those conversations uh Regardless, we'll pull them either from the House floor or sometimes schedule one-on-one um, -on -one meetings in their office too, just depending on schedules, and really be able to lay out. And it might be an opportunity to invite some more members too, um, to those conversations, but really lay out um, our reasoning for why it's a legislative priority for us, what we're hearing from members. Um, and again, having the members there is really impactful too. But if not, again, being a voice for our members and saying why this is important. Um, talking a little bit about what happened in the process, too. I'd like to always talk about, you know, this was up in House tax policy. These were the conversations had. Um, something that our team does at the Grand Rapids Chamber that I'm, I'm very proud of, our team, is that we always give the full picture. Um, I'm going to tell you why you should support it, but I'm also going to tell you the reasons that uh, folks don't support right? Or folks are opposing it. Um, that way you have all of the, the knowledge in order to make the, the um, decision for yourself. But I'm going to do my best to carry the, the membership um, voice forward and tell you why that's important for West Michigan businesses for you to support this. So then again, after that initial conversation, it's a lot of um, sometimes follow-up. Legislators sometimes um, have additional questions that they'll pop in into their minds after we meet. And then that way I'm able to connect with members. Uh, either I handle those questions or I can, can connect them directly with members too. What makes an effective lobbyist? Your word. My boss, Andy Johnston, uh, has always coined the phrase, Lansing is like high school. And it's so true, especially with lobbying. It, it does get a really bad connotation, but it does come down to your word. Um, if you lie uh, to a legislator once, they're going to remember that and your word is going to be diminished and you're not going to be effective or as effective as you can be if you're known to either stretch the truth or just blatantly lie. And so your word is really important. I think that that's why I really enjoy working with my team. We are um, what I consider very uh, ethical in the, the crazy world of lobbying that sometimes isn't ethical, but your word is the most important way to be um, to be an effective lobbyist, and you got to say what you mean and mean what you say. Can you give me an example of where someone's uh, lobbying hurt their own interests? Oh, lobbying hurt their own interests. I mean, in this case, you said it's important uh, to be honest um, and and to be consistent. 
Uh, I mean, are there stories that uh, that you're familiar with where someone you know lied, got called out, and hurt hurt their cause? Yes, I am. Uh, I don't know if I want to necessarily get into that. That's fine. <laughs> but there are instances, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I do want to talk a, a little bit again, just because it's such a focus point or focal point for um, uh, for people about lobbying, and and you understand the Grand Rapids Chamber isn't the biggest source of campaign cash, but it is part of your toolbox. Uh, what do you accomplish with campaign contributions? The biggest thing with our so the Grand Rapids Chamber has a political action committee. It is called the Friends of West Michigan Business. Uh, it is completely separate from membership dues, which I think is really, really important for everyone to know. So no membership dollars go towards the PAC. Uh, That is Mm -hmm. separate. But we do have members of the Grand Rapids Chamber that are able to individually contribute to the Friends of West Michigan Political Action Committee. What I think that that does is we're able to put our money where our mouth is. I think getting into the politics when you're focusing on policy is the way to be really effective. Um, Unfortunately, because I am someone who thought that I was really interested in politics and then found out actually I'm not, I just really like this, this policy thing. Um, But it is, it is the, uh, the necessary evil that goes along with it. So you have to be engaged with, with politics. You have to be able to have those conversations early. Uh, those legislators or, or those running need to know where you stand on the issues. Um, and our, our political action committee process for endorsements too, because we do endorse, which is a very mm-hmm. controversial thing, probably the most controversial thing that we do, but we find it very worth it. Um, is It's a, a very robust process too, very similar to our legislative um, priority process where we have um, a, a lot of money, a lot of time spent on on a survey developed that aligned with our legislative priorities to understand where um, those those elected officials or where those those candidates are on certain issues. Um, once you fill out a survey, then that is saying that you are interested in an endorsement from the Grand Rapids Chamber. So then we have a very robust interview process. Um, so we have a political action committee again, separate, but members of the chamber that are uh, contributing individually, being able to sit down, ask questions to those candidates and see how well they they jive with the West Michigan business community on certain issues. Um, and so based upon that process, again, they we have a political action committee board as well. Um, that goes to the political action committee board. So there's just, a, again, a, a very big process with it. It is a very controversial thing. Um, it is a again, politics is a necessary evil of trying to get policy accomplished. Uh, but the best way to get good policy accomplished is making sure that there's uh, folks that agree with you uh, sitting in those seats. Why is it controversial? Well, because, you know, as politics is controversial, this the, the idea of a business organization getting into this, I think, is always controversial. Um, and I think that that kind of has been escalated over the last few years. I think that it's no surprise that the the political tensions in the United States in general, but even even in our in our home state too, in Michigan, is very tense. Um, that is only exacerbated too by uh, a split in our own government. So with the Democratic governor and Republican le- legislature, um, and seeing the tensions that that come from that. I think after um, most recent national elections too, there is just more attention on what do you mean that you're engaging in politics, right? Um, so it is a controversial process just because politics is controversial nowadays, especially. 
Mm -hmm. What do endorsements get you as an organization? I would say that endorsements are saying it with a rubber stamp that this is someone that would be able to carry forth our um, policies, that we would trust them to be in, an, be in a position where they're voting on policy that we would like that would be conducive to a West Michigan business, uh, a great West Michigan business climate. Um, so if those if those folks do get elected, we do have someone in our corner. Um, we do have someone in the West Michigan business community's corner that's going to understand um, our issues and going to be able to, um, even if they might not agree with us on everything, be able to um, come to us as a resource um, and be able to tap us as, as ideas and, and issues come. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's say a legislator tells you that they're going to vote one way and they actually vote another. What do you do in response? <sighs> well, I've had this happen a few times, right? And I think that anyone who's been in the lobbying space for even a little bit, um, this has happened to. Some organizations are um, a little bit more cutthroat than others. I would say that Grand Rapids Chamber isn't. Um, some organizations do have scorecards. Uh, so they keep record of how you vote um, and, and what how you vote on, in particular, really important policy areas. Mm -hmm. um, and so they use that in the, in the next election cycle to say, do we need to think about endorsements differently? Um, is this person no longer an ally that we think? Uh, the Grand Rapids Chamber isn't necessarily like that. Uh, we don't have, have an official scorecard. Um, we do have an internal one that we keep, uh, like I think most organizations do on where some folks are on certain issues. But um, at the end of the day, it is what it is. And you just have to ensure that you did all that you could on behalf of your members. Um, but the, the decision is theirs. It's unfortunate, mm -hmm. but it does happen. Yeah. Um, so uh, for listeners, Alexa is one type of lobbyist and we've talked about, which is member directed. She's uh, a big part of her process is trying to figure out what her members think and, and ways to advance their issue. But there are other types of uh, lobbyists who are out there. For instance, there are multi-client lobbyists who work on behalf of, pe of the people who hire them. Uh, does the Grand Rapids Chamber hire multi-client lobbyists? No, we do not. We are uh, one of the only chambers that doesn't um, or at least that I'm aware of that doesn't have a multi-client as well. We are all registered lobbyists and we do that work ourselves. Uh, so we don't deal with the multi-client. Mm -hmm. uh, well, that's an interesting point is that lobbying is a regulated field. Uh, what do you have to do to comply with state and federal regulations? Um, there's a, there's James, I'm not, I'm not the expert on this because we mm -hmm. have uh, some really great HR people that are able to handle it on my behalf. Uh, but there's a lot of paperwork that I know has to be be, be kept up with, and then certain things that you're just you're not allowed to to necessarily do or say, depending on certain things. Not some particular areas of the the capital that you're not allowed to be in after a certain point. Um, but as far as the paperwork and the regulations, I'm not the expert on it. We have some great HR folks to do that. Mm -hmm. What are some uh, going to be some of your um, biggest priorities for the remaining uh, session? For the remaining session, um, I think, again, getting those tax bills through is going to be big for our members, but then also being really engaged in all of the federal dollar conversations. We are going to be very hard pressed to, uh, to let our legislators know that we are watching the way that they spend that money. That is a lot of money coming into the state of Michigan. 
Um, it can be spent in a really great way and it could be spent in a horrible way. And we, I think we all know that. And so we're going to be leading and in, in, in particular for me, I'm going to be focused on that broad bucket of talent. So when we think of the, particularly the American Rescue Plan dollars around talent, um, what does that look like? What does good investment look like? Um, and what does bad investment look like? And then be able to uh, hopefully rally other business organizations. That's a goal of mine to be able to lead that effort and be able to um, have other business organizations sign on. And so we kind of have a collective voice out there for legislators to know, okay, the broader business community thinks that we should do X, Y, and Z when it comes to talent dollars for ARP. And they think that it will be the best way to spend that money in a very transformational way. Alexa, thank you for uh, talking to us about how the Overton window moves. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Overton Window, a podcast by the Mackinac Center for Public Policy. Learn more about The Overton Window at www.theovertonwindow.com.